0: It is so much. I um, I have a couple of CDs. I've already gave Andrew and Shirley one, but and actually, it's just the right amount this morning. I only have six. So Calvin and Darlene and Wayne and Barbara and and Dave and Waverly and Bob. So I've got a set of CDs. Brother Farley, Andrew Farley, once in a while we will listen to him on Tuesday night. There's another tape I would like to get in your hands that he ministered not long ago on forgiveness. But these two tapes is on Jesus is. And what is Jesus to you personally and it's powerful. I was up till one o'clock this morning taping the number two tape, and the services was on the second and the ninth of this month. That brother Fowler, brother Fowler is really from actually from Warrenton. He was born and raised in Warrenton, and I think I met him one time at Lynn's conferences years ago. But anyhow, he's in a place called Labat. La ba- L U B something Texas. Not Love It. Love it. Not Love It. Not love no, it. not Love It. <laughs> but anyhow. Love Okay. Yeah, okay. And that's where he's at. And you know what the name of his fellowship is? Church with no religion. Hallelujah. Church with no religion. And the brother just has such a powerful message on the grace of God and on the reality of a new covenant understanding. That's why I want you to, I beg you to take time and to listen to them and write down whatever the Lord speaks into your heart because I believe it'll bless you. He's, I think he's probably one of the most outstanding brethren. Now, there are things that personally I do not agree with, and if he met me, there would probably be things that personally I do not agree with him. There's a few things, but see, we never let that. We never let that come into our spirits and not receive from one another. And I I find that many times as we open ourselves, Even in people that we don't agree with totally in everything, or they may not agree with us, there is a word that God can speak into our hearts. Now this morning, and the second thing that I want to share this morning and try to get through this, is how that God has brought us into the image of His Son. The image of His Son. What is the image of His Son? I believe this morning we will we will we'll see this. Now I want to begin this morning. I've got uh, actually four places to go that I'd like to get through. Now I want to begin in Romans 8 this morning. Now and there is a lot that is in Romans 8 but I'm going to pick up on verse uh verse 26. And from verse Uh, 25 on Paul is saying a lot how that you know there is therefore now no condemnation that's the first thing that is said in Romans 8 there is no condemnation in Christ now the King James says there is no condemnation in Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit the new living translation the NIV translation other translations doesn't say who walk after the flesh. The the word of the Lord that deals with the flesh there. Flesh, uh, where flesh is, it deals with the law. And therefore it deals wherein. And Paul's going through that whole procedure now. And then he's going through the procedure of where. That the sons of God would be manifested. And I'm just bringing that shortly you can read that see there's a scripture there in romans and he says you are not in the flesh if so be that the spirit of god dwelleth in you and if any man have not the spirit of christ he is none of his so the spirit of christ makes the difference so i want to pick up here this morning in verse 26 of Romans 8. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities or our weakness. For we know not that we, what we should pray for as we ought. How many times you find yourself there. You don't really know how to pray or how you ought to pray. But notice now. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And otherwise we could not even speak them. And he that searcheth the hearts know what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And that is very important this morning to get a hold of, to understand that the Spirit prays through you, it prays the will of God. If we try to pray through the flesh, see, it it doesn't accomplish much. But when we pray and allow the Holy Spirit of God to pray in us and through us, what does it do? It prays according to the will of God. Because otherwise we would not know really how to pray. And now I've experienced this. I can tell you from experience there's been times that I've prayed. And it wasn't so much in the Spirit. And it just seemed like it didn't accomplish much. But see what I want to establish is this Spirit is something that's dwelling within you and I this morning. Because Christ lives in us and we are in Him. So he says in verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now notice that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So the whole thing about this scripture is the purpose of God that is coming forth. See, so everything works together for good for through for them that love God. See, the love of God that is in them, who are called according to His purpose. See, Wayne's been dealing a lot with purpose on the last several weeks, and I'm not going to jump off on that this morning. But there is a reality in coming to an understanding Of the purpose of God. And even our purpose upon this earth. And our purpose in Christ. So then he says in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. Now notice this. Whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate. To be conformed to the image of his son. And I want us to really get a hold of this this morning. Because God's preordained plan of God, y'all called this morning, was, is that God would bring us into the image of His Son. And we're going to see later some other scriptures that's going to bring us into that realization. So all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to His promise. Where's the remote, Andrew? And, uh. So when we, when we look at this, I want us to understand that God's purpose was to conform us. Another place that Paul used was in Galatians 3, I believe it is. And when some of them had begun to turn from the gospel of Christ and began to try to turn back unto the law, he said he prayed for them that Christ would be what? Formed in them again. I believe it said again. Why was it saying again? Because they had a tendency of turning back and going back and trying to produce righteousness under the law instead of understanding that Christ is our righteousness. You know, just just this morning, it just hit me right now. I want to read some 1 Corinthians 1, when we talk about the, the righteousness of God. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 1 this morning. And I didn't have this in mind, but it just came to me. The righteousness, what Christ is made. See, the reality of what I want to bring this morning uh, is to bring us to this understanding that in Christ we have life. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 29 and 30... Well, let's read 29, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Now, but of Him, of who? Of Christ, see, but of Him are ye in Christ. Of Him is God, by God, through Christ. But of Him uh, are ye in Christ Jesus. Who of God is made, what? Unto us. See, Christ is made unto us wisdom. Christ is made unto us righteousness. Christ is made unto us redemption. And Christ is made unto us uh, redemption and sanctification. That according as it is written, He that glory, let him glory in the Lord. So when we look at this this morning we begin to realize that our relationship and our fellowship and our union that we have with Christ. Because even before the foundation of the world and we're going to go to Ephesians 1 next. But even before the foundation of the world God had purchased in his, had purposed in his son that his son would come and that in this son There would be a people that could find life. There would be a people that could come into the very image of his son, being conformed to that. So Romans 8, see, just absolutely brings that out. And he says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn, what? among many brethren. See, Jesus Christ was the firstborn among many brethren. Now, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. See, now, Paul is dealing with the saints of God. He's dealing with the church, the believers here, brothers and sisters, this morning. So, whom he did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, then He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. So when we look at these scriptures this morning, we, we can really come to an understanding and in an importance of come being conformed to the image of this Son coming to a place to understand that we are one with Him. In Ephesians 2, it tells us that we are one with Him. As He is that Son, many sons come into glory. So this is what God is doing through Christ. God is bringing through Christ Jesus His glory through Christ into the believer's life and when we begin to begin to see this more and more see he goes on and he says what shall we say then of these things i'm in romans 8:31 if god be for us who can be against us now how many times do we fight try to allow that to come into our mind do God really care about us? Does he, is He really concerned about us? Does He really love us? You know, on and on these thoughts could go. But you see, the Word of God is bringing a reality that through this predestination planned of God, through Jesus Christ, that we could come now and understand that we have been called into a relationship with God. We've been called unto the glory that God has given unto His Son. So then he's saying what? What can we say? If God is before us, who is against us? And I tell you, that's something that really needs we need to allow the Lord to work in that. Because I'm no different than you are or anyone else. But there are times you see that, that there can come voices or there can come thoughts in our mind and, and we think, God, where are you? God, what's going on here? And we can pray and it seems like things don't don't change and yet in the reality, God is for us. So if God's for you, see, we've got to come to understand nothing is against you. I always took Romans 5. And when I looked at that and looked at the situations of that chapter, seeing many people think, well, all of that is working against them. No, it ain't. See, tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, experience hope. Hope maketh not ashamed, but is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So everything that, that we are being confronted with. In this journey, walking with the Lord, walking in God, we must come to an understanding and to be established that it is God through Christ that has brought unto us this righteousness and this life. So what's going to separate us from the love of God? See, what is it? So he says, if God's before you, then who can be against you or what can be against you? And that's, that's something to the, we have to allow the Spirit. He that spared not his own Son. Now what? notice what he done. He sent his Son on the cross, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things are given to us in Christ. Now, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. See, a lot of times, if, if we're not careful, we're always trying to lay something upon another believer. Who can lay any charge to God's elect? It is God that justified. Now, I'm telling you, you've heard me say this before, and I have to say it again this morning, because coming out of Romans chapter 4 and the end of that chapter, He took our offenses. We have to come to a place to really believe that on the cross, Jesus Christ took all of our offenses, all of our iniquities, and all of our sins, and He took them, and He nailed them to the cross. Not only our, you've heard me say this, not only our past sins, not only our present, but also our, Sins that we 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 would even commit from this day forth. Somebody said, "Oh, you sin? Oh, yeah, we'll sin, we'll sin." But you see, the glory of it is, is we understand in uh, Hebrews ten that only one offering has been given. Even though we will sin, we're no longer I know, right? We're no longer see, we're no. That's right, Bob. You're not a sinner. The power of sin has been broken in you through the cross. Notice this. Hebrews 2 and 14, he said, through death, speaking of Jesus' death, he destroyed the power of death, which is the devil, who all of our lifetime was subject to, To fear and to bond. So we lived in the fear and the bondage of death because of the power of Satan. But now Christ through his death has come and has released us from that power. Not saying there is not a devil. Not saying there is not uh, an adversary. But brothers and sisters we must come to the place to realize that what God accomplished through Christ in the cross It was not only for one time, but it was forever. And if you ever want to really get a hold of that, you get into Hebrews chapter 9 and chapter 10, and it is laid out there. If you ever want to get a hold of it, go to Romans 6. And it absolutely says that the old man has been crucified. Not going to be crucified, but has been crucified. The old man has passed away, and behold, a new creation has come forth in Christ. And you see, this is what God's doing. God is glorifying His Son in the believers. So here Paul is saying, look, God's purpose is that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to His purpose. So everything working uh, uh, against us, up for us, is working for the very purpose of God that God can be manifestly declared. So now, He spared not His own Son, verse 32 of Romans 8. He spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely Give us all things. All things that we receive, glory to God, comes through His Son. And through the work of the Son, through the cross, that cross that He was crucified on. Now, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies, and the word justified means you have been acquitted if we could ever get a hold, that our sins have been acquitted. It is as though I, I ran into someone just the other day, and I don't know what brought the conversation up, but again, it brought it up to this, this idea again of the word justification. And, uh, and they, were, they were talking about uh, some things that they had done in their past life. as when they were a sinner and walked as a sinner and lived as a sinner. And I said, and they were Christians. But see, some people's minds, folks, really truthfully have never been made free. The conscience of sin, the conscience of things that people done before they come to Christ continuously to haunt some of God's people. And we have to be delivered from that as well. But anyhow, in this conversation, I was able to look at that because they were a Christian. And I I was able to say, but you know this word justification is as though you never lived there. That's hard to believe, ain't it? See, the mind, the mind, the natural mind cannot believe that. See, the, the human reasoning And the intelligence of man's mind has a real problem trying to accept what really was accomplished and was worked at the cross. Really, it is. So then he goes on and he says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. See, who's, who's condemning us? If God be for you. Who can be against you? So who is, who is he that condemneth? It? it is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. And every time I read this, there is a thought that just really, just, just really comes into me. See, it was Christ that died, but rather that is risen. And what it is, what happens to me every time I read that verse of scripture? I read it in this light. I understand that it was that Christ was died. And that Christ died and He took me and you as the sinner, as the old creation man. And He took us in Himself and went to the cross and He crucified us. He crucified us. See, that's what Romans, uh, Romans Galatians 2, Galatians 2 and 20 I am crucified with Christ. Now, can we come to this place this morning to allow God by the Spirit to really work that as a reality and a truth in us? I am crucified with Christ. Glory to God. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth. And now the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So what is the life that's going to come in the flesh now? Not my life, not your life, but it's His life, the life I now live in the flesh. See, no longer I that is living. I mean, we live by Him and through Him and of Him, but it's His life. See, we we were talking yesterday in, in yesterday's meeting about the Scripture when Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And many people, I believe, that it's really come to the place that Jesus, they know Jesus is the way. They know Jesus is the truth. But I don't know how many people has really come to the reality to really have the inner witness in their heart That glory to God that he is the life. And that that life that he is. Is living and abiding in the saints of God. So when Paul goes on here. He says in verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? If it is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also maketh intercession. Now. Earlier, earlier, it said the Spirit maketh intercession. Here, it says Christ maketh intercession. Do you think there's a difference? Absolutely not. Because the Spirit of Christ, see, and Christ is the same. Second Corinthians 5, next to the end of it, says the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So it's the very very Spirit of Christ that has come within us, and He has come within us as the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit bears witness. Now, who shall separate us? Now notice what that said. didn't say what. It said, who shall separate us? From the love of God. And I believe the reason for the word he, uh, who there is when he is dealing back here with them that uh, is saying, uh, you know, coming against you or coming against me. Or, and therefore God is establishing that in Christ who's going to separate you from the love of God. You go through many things. You go through many instances in in this walk with the Lord. But who's going to separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or neckness? My, my, my. A pearl, a sword, as it is written, for thy sake. We are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. That is actually a quotation from Psalms forty-four and verse twenty-two. Now, nay, in all of these things—what thing? Tribulation, persecution, perils, distress—all of these things. Nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through Him. Not, our, not on our own strength and ability, but we, are, we come through Him. It's through Him. It's like Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because I'm not looking to myself. I'm looking to Him who is the one who lives and dwells and abides in me. So nay, all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Oh are you persuaded this morning? Paul says here. I am persuaded. That neither death. Nor life. Nor angels. Nor principalities. Some of the translation says demons. Nor powers. Nor things present. Notice that now nor things to come, so even the present things, and things are yet to come. Paul said, I'm persuaded that neither death, or life, or angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where's the love of God this morning? It's in Christ. Where, where does that love and how does that love work in you and by uh, through you and through me this morning? It's because of the love of Christ that is in us. And now, let's go. I want us to look at something else. Ties. With this in Ephesians. I want us to go to Ephesians this morning. And we're going to touch a few places here this morning. In Ephesians and verse 1. And it's so beautiful. Because again. See Paul. Paul was uh, ministering to them that are wrong. Because I want you to understand. That he's ministering to us. See what these apostles taught and preached brother. They are still living word. It's still a, a living gospel. And see, though he was in a certain place like we're here in Culpeper this morning, though he was in a certain place, his understanding wasn't so much the place that he was or the city that, that he was, and yet it was the people that was in that place. So, so we, when we look at, the, so when we look at Ephesians chapter 1 this morning, We find again how that Paul writes. And he writes to those that are Ephesus. He was writing to those that are Rome, But let me say it this way. He's writing to the believer. He's writing to you and I. Because the gospel is an everlasting gospel. Now in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ. Always loved this. Every time that there's a scripture that talks about Paul the Apostle, he talks about he's an Apostle of Jesus Christ. Now my very deep inner feeling with that is this, that that was his message. Jesus Christ was the message. Jesus Christ is the Gospel. Jesus Christ is that which we have this morning dwelling in us, the glory, the power, the anointing, and on and on you could go. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, how? By the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you, and Paul practically does this in every book, That he writes, round the second of the third verse of every book that, uh, book that Paul writes, he says this: "Grace be to you and peace, from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ." Now, grace he addresses the church all time with the grace of God, the peace of God, the peace that comes from God the Father. But it comes, how? Through Jesus Christ. That's the glory of it this morning. See, it comes from God, but it comes through Christ unto God. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. See, He came out of God and as he came out of God, that through this Son, through this Christ that he is, he's gathering up those that come to believe and put their trust and their confidence in him. And what does he do? He takes them right into the very presence of God. You think of that this morning. God came, Christ came out of God. I'd like to draw a circle in that when I talk about God at the very top of the circle. And what happened? The Word is made flesh, and much could be said. This is the Son of God. This is God incarnated in the flesh. And what happens? He comes out. He declares He comes out of the bosom of the Father and comes into the world. And so here God is in the top of that circle, and here's Jesus now, the Word. And what is happening? Through Christ, God is working and moving and drawing the people, and He's drawing them through Jesus Christ. So what's happening? It's coming. It came from God. Now it's coming through Christ. He, you're gathered up into Jesus Christ because God has sent His only Son. And now what does Christ do? He takes you and He takes you right back into the house of God, right into the Father's house, right into the very presence of God. Colossians 3, and I believe it's 3, he says, Ye are dead, your life is hid with Christ in God. Christ is in God. Hebrews 9 and 24, that was the old tabernacle, and it said that Jesus did not go the way of the old tabernacle, but he has entered into heaven itself in the presence of God. Were and for who? For us. See, when we understand that this is a very purpose of God, purpose of God was to conform us to the image of his Son purpose of God is to understand we know that all things work together for good to them that love the, love God and that are the called are called according to his purpose God called us because there was a purpose in calling us in fact over there in one place it said that we didn't choose God we didn't choose God he chose us No man can be saved except the Spirit draws him. And Jesus said this to those in his day, and he said, you know what? He said, all that the Father have given me, the Spirit, God is Spirit, all that the Father have given me, I have lost none. He says, no man can pluck them out of my hands. Now, you're talking about a security this morning. You're talking about a salvation. You're talking about a life that we're living, and we're living only because it's the living Christ that's in us. So Ephesians 1, Paul's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's addressing them. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now this word places here is in the italic. What it is really saying, he has blessed us in heavenly realms. Folks, there's realms of the Spirit that we're seated in this morning. Glory to God, there's realms of the Spirit of God. When we were born again, it was a wonderful thing. But there's realms, there's revelations, there are visions of God that continues to flow as we are open unto His Spirit and to His voice. So he says, see, we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly realms were in Christ. See, everyone that is in Christ has been blessed there. And then he goes on to say, According as he hath chosen us. Where? In him. Catch that this morning. See, we're seated with him in heavenly realms in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Now, we don't want to accept that we're without blame, do we? But I can take you to Colossians again. And Colossians will tell you again that you're blameless. You're unreprovable in His sight. Why? Because of the work that was done on the cross through His blood. We have redemption through His blood. So, having predestinated us, Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. See, what is God doing here? If you really notice this, don't leave God out of the picture. Amen. See, this thing is coming from God. But it's coming from God and is coming through Jesus Christ and coming through Jesus Christ unto us. Amen. This is the glory of it when we see it having predestinated us according to the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. My, it was the will of God to bring a people to be conformed to the image of His Son. It was the will of God to have a people and the call of people unto Himself that He could be magnified and glorified in them. And then it says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. John tells us the same thing, that we have been accepted. Thank God. Thank God when we can come to the place and see we have been accepted of God, because why? We have accepted Christ, the Son, of the living God, not only that, but we have accepted the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as our death, as our burial, and as our resurrection. I'll be honest with you this morning, folks. The part of the cross was that that dealt with the sinner when we were sinners. It dealt with the Adamic man. that what we, what we were. It dealt with the flesh of man. It really did. That's what the cross did. The cross crucified that man and buried that man. And in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, He did not bring that man out. Lord, see, I want to go to Romans 6, but I've got to follow where I'm going this morning. Romans 6, read it for yourselves, folks. Read it for yourselves. Hebrews 10, read it for yourselves. By that one offering, He declares unto you and I this morning that we are sanctified once and for all. Forever sanctified. Set aside, set apart, called unto Him by Jesus Christ through this relationship. And then He goes on and says here, that we are accepted the beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Just think of that this morning. Of what God has purposed in himself, and yet as he has purpose in himself is to bring a people into this union, in to be unified with Christ. Now, that in the dispossession of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Amen. It can't get much plainer than that, brothers and sisters, this morning. How that we we must allow the Holy Spirit, we must allow this Word to become a living Word. We must allow, if we want to use the word experience, we must experience this in our our spirit. Glory to God. We must come to this place that we understand that in the fullness of time, all times were summed up in Christ. There's no more time after that. Christ summed it all up. God summed it all up in Christ. Let's read it again. That end of dispensation The word dispersation would have been more properly administration. And uh, of the fullness of times. Now all fullness of times. I want you to know. He might gather together in one. What, what was this one? See all things in Christ Christ is the one gathered all things up in Christ both which are in heaven and in earth in whom also now notice this in whom also we have attained and in earth so you see it's not just what God has done in Christ it's it's important to know that But it's also important to know that we as saints of God, believers in Christ, that we can understand now that as all things has been brought up, even in Him, then we understand in whom also we have attained. We have attained an inheritance, being predestinated. What? According to the purpose of Him. Again, we see that who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So God's working everything out after his plan, his will, his counsel, his wisdom. You can go on down the line. And so what's God doing? He's working it out, and not only through Christ, but now he's brought a people where they can obtain an inheritance and knowing that they have been predestinated in Christ, and the purpose of the work of His own will to be accomplished in us, then that we should be to the praise of the glory who first trust in Christ. In whom ye also, after that ye heard the word, trusted, is italics, but in whom ye also trusted, After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Notice that now. What is the gospel? The gospel is your salvation. Who is the gospel? The word of God says it's the good news. It's Jesus Christ Himself. So in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believe, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now just think of that this morning. When you got born again, you were sealed with that Spirit. And that Spirit right today is still being unveiled, working in you, unveiling to you, being revealed in you and you see the revelation of Christ appearing and coming, because you see, that's just the beginning stage. Think of it. That's the beginning stage. You are sealed with that Spirit. And therefore, because you are sealed with that Spirit, what does He say? Which is the earnest. See, the Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession Unto the praise of the glory, unto his glory. See, until God possesses everything in us, everything, but it's the Spirit that's working, not the law, it's the Spirit that's working. Now, I want to go to another place this morning, and I want to go to 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to read verses 1 uh, through 9. Remember this morning, we're talking about the revelation of God's glory through the believers, through the saints. All right, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 1 and go through at least verse 9. And so we're saying here that you see, the very desire in the heart of God is to conform you to the image of His Son. So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and reading verse 1, notice how Paul brings this out this morning. He says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Then again, you see, he's at another place, right? He's at Corinth. Now, we've been in Romans this morning. We've been in Ephesians, which is Ephesus, and Rome. And now, here Paul is in the church of Corinth. All right? So, Paul call, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and softness, so, uh, our brother, huh? Softness, our brother, okay? Unto the church. Now, you know what the church is, right? Does everybody really have a true understanding what the church is? Do you understand that the church is not this building? Or the church is not whatever names that people tag on to them. But the church is the very body of Christ. The church is the people of God that has the heart of God working in them. That's the church. See, that's the church. So who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the church. So now, unto the church of God, verse 2 is that coin, to them that are sanctified, where? How is sanctified in Jesus Christ? Uh, Called to be saints with all that is ever, uh, uh, with all that in every place. call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours my 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 what a glory now paul again he says grace be unto you peace from god our father and from the lord jesus christ now i thank my god always i love this because i want you all to know this morning that i thank god for every one of you and i thank god for those that are not here this morning but i thank god because There is a love in my heart for the saints of God. There is a love in my heart for the people of God, not only those that are here uh, in this uh, gathering, but my heart goes out to the body of Christ, wherever they are and whoever they are. So I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to you, how? By Jesus. See, don't ever think that grace is something outside of Christ. Grace is Christ. And it's that grace of Christ that does work in us. So he says, given to us by Jesus Christ. That in everything ye are enriched by Him. In what? Everything you are enriched by Him. In all utterance, in otherwise how you speak, in utterance, and in all knowledge, you enrich by Him. The knowledge of Him that flows out. The knowledge of the Word of God that flows out, Say, So that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is this is quite a tricky word if you never looked up this waiting on the coming of the lord jesus christ because so many people thinks that that is saying you see we're out here we're waiting for the lord to come back no you know what this word means right here it is a greek word that is called a and it means that there is an unveiling of revelation see within you and i this morning That is what we're doing. We are always waiting. We are always living in expectation. That there will be an unveiling. A revelation. An expectation. And fully looking into all that God has purposed. And and desired to bring us as believers into. It's not talking about you waiting for God one day to come back. It's talking about. This Lord Jesus Christ being revealed. See, people doesn't understand that. There's at least great eight Greek words on the word coming of the Lord, brothers and sisters. One day we need to just get into that, really. But there are actually eight Greek words. The most popular word that is used in our King James Version on the word coming of the Lord is the word parousia, which means his presence, the presence of the Lord. I remember the time in my early life, back somewhere about, I guess it was about 1979. And I didn't see any difference until about 83. I was preaching. But I had a desire to really know the Lord. I really did. I still do. And there was something that was birthed in my spirit to know And I'd read these scriptures, and I'll never forget, I was speaking with a brother, and he had had an understanding of the coming of the Lord. And it's like most people do me today. When it comes to the coming of the Lord, they say, well, you don't believe in the Lord's coming back. I remember when I began to preach this gospel many years, people went around Manassas, some certain people said, Brother Stanley don't believe the Lord's ever coming back again misinterpretation. I believe the Lord's coming, and I believe He's ever coming. I believe He's ever being revealed. So the brother was sharing with me because he had saw the revelation of these Greek words about the coming of the Lord. And I was like, Maybe if you've not come to see this this morning, I, I was like you would probably be this morning that if you have not really saw the coming of the Lord or the revealing or the appearing of the revelation. see. And I would say, but brother, brother, what do you do with all these Scriptures that says the coming of the Lord? <laughs> what do you do? With... I had a heart for God. But I didn't understand him. And I didn't even understand him when he told me. But you know, that was in 79 and I'll never forget. And that's why John 14 is so real to me. In 1983 when I was preaching out of John 14 from verse 16 on, that's where he came. I saw him. I saw him. Now I didn't see a literal Flesh man, but I saw Jesus, and I saw Him in the Word. I saw Him as the One that had come. I saw Him as the One that was my life. And then from then on, see all of these words I've looked up. I got them written in a book, and I've looked these words. It brings you to light. It brings. I can't get into it. It brings you into so much. The word coming, say has a different meaning than most of the churches ever taught. How many people really realize uh, that they really truthfully, honestly, every day you live in the presence of God? Do you think that God is somewhere and left you alone? When we are going through trials and tribulations, persecution, sickness, whatever, and then there's those things that try to come into you. They happen to me, folks. Don't you kid yourself. They happen to me. God, don't you care. But you see, I can't entertain that. I have to immediately take authority over those thoughts and over the, that reasoning that would try to come. God, do you care for me? And you see, if God be for us, who can be against us? what He is working against us. This morning. All things are working together for good to them that love God and are the called according to His prayer. So here Paul says in Corinth that in everything you are enriched by Him in all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was what? Confirmed in you. See, the testimony of Christ John was on the Isle of Patmos for the Word of God and for the testimony. He was being persecuted for the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, see, I thank God always for you. That's what he's saying to him that the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you be enriched by Him, in all utterance, in all not even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, or waiting for the unveiling, the revelation, see, looking into that, that God yet has to reveal Himself to us. Folks, I'm telling you this morning, we've got a little bit revealing. But God desires to reveal. God desires to take the cover off. And God desires to enlighten us and let us see. And therefore, He says, Who shall also confirm you unto the end? The word end there is the goal of the achievement which has been worked in Christ that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, I could go on this morning. But you see, when we, we, we just look at these few verses, this morning that we've shared, being enriched in all things by Him. That we have sealed with the Spirit for the inheritance. See, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Romans 8 says that. If we suffer with Him, see, we are joint heirs with Christ. Christ is our inheritance. And that inheritance that you and I have this morning is eternal life. It's eternal life. It's Jesus Christ Himself. The living Word, the life-giving Spirit that He is. He's in you. And I thank God for you this morning. I really do. For every one of you. And I thank God that there's a desire Rising up within our hearts. I was thinking of that song this morning. In fact, I thought I would sing it, but I'll just, I'll just read it. And this is a song we've sung. He's raising up in his house again. He's raising up in his house. Who's the house of God? You are. He's raising up in his house again, bringing salvation without sin. If you really want to see that, go to Hebrews 9 and the last three verses. Maybe the last two verses. He brings salvation without sin. Why? Because His first coming was to deal with sin. His second is to bring us unto salvation without sin. God's people is so sin conscious, folks. So sin—it's been instilled then in them, in what we call the gospel that's preached to them, instead of being Christ-conscious, instead of being conscious of who we are, what we are in Christ. Now He's raising up in His house again, bringing salvation, without sin, tearing down that carnal man, that carnal mind, that natural mind. In every temple, you're the temple of God. In every temple where He stands, He's coming forth with a brand new Word. Not that the Word is is new in itself, but the Word becomes a brand new Word when it is revealed by the Spirit and Word of God in us. So He's coming forth with a brand new Word in a voice you never heard. He's raising up. He's raising up in his house again. I believe this, and I'm going to close with this this morning. Till 1985, I didn't realize as much. I'd preach. Many things could be said this morning on that. But I really didn't realize till 1985 when I began to see, and God had showed me some things in 67. I won't go into it. But in '85, I was at a conference, and there was the realization that was awakened in my heart that you know what God's doing? Because the church seems to have took the Christians and made it almost a miserable life to be here on earth, and just waiting to go somewhere to be free. And in 1985, I heard a message that absolutely transformed my thinking and that was I began to realize God and ever since that I've met many brethren and sisters ever since that that's flowing with our unveiled Christ revealing the revelation of Christ flowing and coming and flowing. And so I, I just knew at that time God again was bringing back a ministry and i'm telling you folks i could i could tell you about a many many hundreds of people this morning that is declaring the revelation of jesus christ and the present reality of christ and these are the ones that is bringing the body of christ to be really to see and really to know and to really understand who they are what they are not by what they've done but by Faith in what Christ has done. And God's been working ever since. I've been seeing it. He's been working ever since through different brothers and sisters. Places I go. Revelation word. Unveiling. Realizing that Christ lives in them. And they are in Christ. And they are where he is. And it's beautiful. Well, the Lord bless you.